Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. I'm not even going to let John Cooper finish the intro to that song because I have a lot to say today. Um, First of all, I want to invite you to something that is happening at 7 p.m. Central Time tonight. And you all you have to do to participate is log on to MyFaithRadio.com. You're going to see a special live event banner right there. And you're saying to yourself, whoa, 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 there's like a stay at home order. Yes. Well, this live event is online. So this live event is uh, just an opportunity for us here at Faith Radio to encourage you wherever you may be. So I want you to log on to MyFaithRadio.com. Join me tonight for this live video stream event at 7 p.m. It happens, um, it actually happens on YouTube, so you don't need anything special uh, other than your computer, your phone, your other connected device uh, in order to participate. And you're going to be able to text the same number that you always text, 877-933-2484, Um, You're going to be able to text your prayer concerns, words of encouragement, passages of Scripture that have spoken to you, um, things that you've heard about that are happening that you think others should know about. You're going to be able to text all of those things during this live event, and we're going to share them with everybody else. So 877-933-2484. That's always the text number for this show. It's also the text number for the live event, 7 p.m. tonight. Again, you go to MyFaithRadio.com, and you participate in this live video event so you're going to get to see our faces, which I know for some of you, like putting a putting a face with a name is kind of a great thing, especially in this time of social distancing. So some of our regular guests are going to pop on to encourage us during the hour, um, and, and we're going to pray for one another. So again, tonight, 7 p.m., MyFaithRadio.com, you're going to join me for a live video event. Um, all right, so you heard at the top of the hour this news about... Um, Uh, Global Media Outreach. We have had Walt Wilson and others from GMO here on the program. Just want to encourage you, you can always go to the website witness2all, witness2all.com, and you can literally watch in real time as people all over the globe are asking questions via digital media um, about the gospel and how they're, how they're, uh, where they are, where their questions are being answered, and then the people who are actually coming to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. And so really, just really exciting stuff. Uh, all right, we're going to um, want to hear from you in states where you have now received stay-at-home or shelter-in-place lockdown orders. I know there are lots of you listening in Minnesota right now, and I know that order goes into effect for you tomorrow night at midnight. Uh, and so for those of you that are already in states where you are at stay-at-home or shelter-in-place lockdown situations, Um, Let us know what that's like. We'd love to hear from you. Again, you can always text me at 877-933-2484 or email me, Carmen, at MyFaithRadio.com. Love to uh, be able to have the experience of listeners in one place, encourage listeners in another place, um, particularly those like silver lining stories. um, What's happening out there among you and God and others that we need to know about? There was one sobering note this morning in the UK. They have closed all places of worship. But abortion facilities remain open as essential services. Yeah, that's where we have arrived in terms of a cultural reality. All right, Ben Johnson is up next from the Acton Institute. He and I have a lot to talk about, including the $2 trillion corona stimulus package passed by the Senate. Uh, Will be passed by the House. Um, 
That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Johnson. You can follow him on Twitter at The Rights Writer. You can also find him at Acton, A-C-T-O-N dot O-R-G. Ben, welcome back. Good morning, Carmen. It must be Thursday. My favorite day of the week. (laughs) Okay, so I will admit to you that now that like everybody has been home full time, it's hard to kind of keep track of the days. And so you help with that because if it's if it's Ben Johnson, then it's Thursday. So I appreciate um, I appreciate your willingness to continue to to join us throughout this uh, process. Tell us what you know about this two plus trillion dollar coronavirus stimulus package um, passed by the Senate. And, you know, we're going to assume it's going to be affirmed by the House. Right. Well, as you say, it's a it's a two trillion dollar budget busting stimulus. I mean, it's it's really a, an enormous bill that's gone through now. Understanding that the challenge that's facing the economy is something that we have not seen before in uh, typically in a a recession or or things of this sort, there's a step back and and, uh, perhaps there's there's a a certain amount of uncertainty. But what we're dealing with now is the fact that each of us has to shelter in place. Certain states are entirely under lockdown, Uh, states like Michigan and Ohio and others in your listening area where there is essentially no activity outside of what's deemed essential. As you mentioned, some of the definitions of essential around the world might use a little change. Uh, As you mentioned, in the UK, all of the uh, churches are closed, all houses of worship are closed, and yet abortion facilities uh, are open. But uh, what we're dealing with is an economy where for the... Uh, to to flatten the curve and to assure that we don't have a continued spread of this global pandemic, everyone has to stay at home. And that means a lack of economic activity. So, you know, the the Senate uh, has gone forward, has passed uh, a stimulus, and uh, it's a $2 trillion uh, um, um, omnibus bill that's uh, really outstanding in in, uh, a lot of regards uh, in the the fact that it's, it's unique. You're dealing with uh, $1,200 checks to each individual. We talked about this a little bit last week. It's a one-time check of $1,200 to everyone. Uh, There'll be $367 billion in loans and grants to small businesses, uh, and then $130 billion to hospitals, health centers, and airlines as well. So uh, the airline industry is really the one of the big areas where uh, there's been a great deal of, of controversy uh, because, of course, Mass travel, mass transit is something that cannot take place here. And yet uh, even uh, many conservative Republicans are are saying that uh, it would be a a real question for us to bail out specific industries. Carly Fiorina, who you might remember uh, ran for president in 2016, uh, was was named Ted Cruz's running mate if he had gotten to that point, but it ended up being somewhat uh, beside the point. Uh, has said we shouldn't be bailing out these industries. Uh, You know, the industries, uh, particularly the airline industry at any rate, should be allowed uh, to to continue on its current model, and uh, because the coronavirus isn't the only economic issue that those industries are dealing with, and if we bail them out, then the underlying issues will continue to go uh, forward without any any other corrections. All right, so Ben, we're gonna you and I are probably gonna get to circle back around to this particular topic in the coming weeks. I know people are gonna have some very specific questions. Some of those we can't answer because it, the bill hasn't actually 
um, passed like all the way and been signed into law. So I'm reticent to get too far down into the weeds, even though I'm getting some pretty weedy questions. One weedy question, what if I don't want the $1,200? I don't want to have to pay taxes on it. How can I keep them from sending me a check? Like that's going to be a question people are asking, already hearing that from a listener. Um, Also, uh, people really want to know about uh, the money that's going to be available for small businesses, who's going to be eligible, is there an interest rate, is it a grant or a loan, Um, are there restrictions on what you can use it for, I mean, da-da-da-da-da. You know any of that um, at this point, or is that all stuff that we're going to need to suss out in the coming days and weeks? That's going to be something we'll have to look at as as things go forward. As you say, the the bill isn't finalized, so if there is going to be a mechanism for refusing checks or exactly how they'll be dealt with as far as taxation goes – that's that's an open question. Uh, there have been some some steps to try and means test these checks so that not every American gets them. There's a cutoff point of uh, maybe sixty eight thousand is one particular level that's been uh, authorized. There's no one hundred fifty thousand, but uh, ultimately we will have to see what what is in there. And then is there a way for us to refuse a, a government handout uh, other than simply keeping the check and not uh, not cashing it if you don't get a direct deposit. That's that's a good question. I'm glad, I'm, I'm refreshed in a certain way in my soul that there's someone who doesn't want a government handout. Right. She says, I've got enough. I planned for this. There you go. <laughs> All right. The, the little so, aunt that um, could. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, let's talk about some of the good things. Um, good things that uh, private citizens are doing during the crisis. What's happening out there? Uh, just a little, this is the little silver lining portion of the conversation. Thank God. You know, there there are good things that are happening, and it's important for us to, to look at them, to focus on them uh, at this particular point in our, in our lives, because we're overwhelmed with the spread of the virus, with uh, the toll, both economic, but obviously much more importantly, physically around the world. But there are good things that are happening. And uh, many of them are coming from uh, areas that we would expect, like churches. So, uh, you know, for example, in uh, Warren, Ohio, you see a basement outreach ministry and while their United Methodist Church came together and delivered 73 pizzas and 100 bags of food to a small residential area uh, in, uh, in a certain neighborhood in Warren, Ohio. That's a very small scale. In uh, in uh, in Georgia, there's a Greek Orthodox church that got together and fed 25,000 people. They made uh, they made enough meals to hand out to 25,000. Apple Computer is donating nine million face masks to U.S. healthcare facilities. So uh, you know you, you think of Apple, certainly not a charitable organization, not structured that way. It's a business and a profit making uh, opportunity, and yet uh, Tim Cook of Apple has dedicated that uh, they, Apple has its storehouses and they have 9 million N95 masks and they're going to donate them from their stockpile all around the world. Uh, in in the Midwest, there's a, a chain throughout the Midwest and the South called Kroger. It's a grocery store. I'm not sure uh, if they've got them throughout the entire listening area, but certainly uh, in some areas here. Kroger, as you know, there are a couple of issues, which is that uh, you've got you've got this Lockdown, so people can't go to restaurants. Uh, in in many Kroger stores, there are restaurants that are part of the store. Well, Kroger decided to place the largest order in the history of Donato's Pizza. They they ended up feeding twelve thousand uh, of its employees by giving them free pizza. So, you see, during this time, uh, and and uh, yet another chain, Bueller's Food, which is up in uh, northeastern Ohio in the Akron Canton area, not only has committed not to fire any of the 227 workers in its chain of restaurants, which are currently closed. They're going to keep them on the payroll, despite the fact that no work and no production is taking place. 
But Bueller's Foods also paid its employee $250,000 in appreciation pay so that uh, those who are continuing to work will get a bonus and those who aren't will get a bonus uh, on top of, of the checks that they're getting because they can't get to work. So throughout, throughout the world you see, uh, and throughout this country, you see both churches, which are structured for good, and then just profit-making businesses, which are structured uh, for, for making profit, continue to help one another, to reach out hands, and uh, to, to, to benefit those who are around them, acting as good citizens. It's, it's so important for us to remember that goodness, decency, is not uh, located just in those who are serving on the front lines, but it's throughout our entire society, people really using their resources to help and to sustain the social fabric of our country. Yeah, I just love it. There's a guy uh, in Atlanta, his name's Terrence Lester. He was once homeless, and uh, his heart really pounds for the homeless. And so he's been assembling these uh, mobile hand-washing stations, and he's been distributing them uh, in parks throughout the city of Atlanta. And that's uh, that's something that I think is catching people's attention. And they're like, hey, what could I do in my own community to actually help people who are you know, on the vulnerable edges in addition to, you know, in addition to sort of the obvious concerns, what are the less obvious concerns and how might we meet those? Um, I love what they're putting on the sides of the sinks at uh, Love Beyond Walls. Love sinks in. Isn't that cute? I just, uh, I just, you know, anything, anything that you can do that's just a good, good act of, um, of love in these days. All right. Ben Johnson and I are going to continue this conversation in just a moment. When we come back. We're going to talk about regulations and how many of them are just disappearing in the midst of all of this. We'll be right back. Continuing my conversation with Ben Johnson from the Acton Institute. You can find him at acton.org. You can also find him on Twitter at The Rights Writer. Ben, um, the, the number of regulations, the range of regulations that have simply been waived uh, is pretty astonishing. Um, you know, fill us in on some of that. Thank goodness that uh, in these times of crisis, People are looking at results instead of process. You know, re- regulations grow out of process and often out of you know, specific uh, pleading on behalf of one particular industry or one player in the industry to gain advantage over others who can't meet those regulatory requirements. Now they shut their competitors out. During a time of crisis, during a time of great need, people around the country of both parties are looking at, do these regulations actually serve us or are they slowing down the delivery of services? Uh, you know, I was really... Uh, delighted to hear Andrew Cuomo during his daily update on the coronavirus. And Cuomo can be quite sharp-tongued, as everyone knows, uh, quite prickly in his personality at times. But uh, when he was talking about regulation, he said that he had had to waive regulations, and he was defending them. He said regulations make our health care what they are, but often they slow down what he called the expedition uh, of and delivery of health care. So, uh, you know, even even someone who is very committed to uh, the idea of process has realized that these these barriers have to go. Some of these are very common sense moves. So uh, throughout the country, in several states, governors in uh, like Massachusetts, Washington, Texas, and uh, Colorado, and again, you're seeing people of both parties, Republicans and Democrats, have waived some of the licensing requirements, because uh, particularly for medical providers. Oftentimes, people don't realize in order to become a nurse or a doctor or to work in many medical fields, of course, you have to have a certification. But then if you move across state lines, that certification does not always transfer. You may have to either 
take certain courses, or you may have to start from square one at absolute zero and go through an identical course of studies, the one you just completed, uh, often using the same textbooks, the same same material, and the same functions that you've been used to your entire career, uh, and take that in an entirely different state and pay another licensing fee on top of it. So, uh, for example, in again, in Washington, Massachusetts, Texas, Missouri, uh, uh, Colorado, uh, in Missouri, it's a proper, it's a, it's legislation, but in the other states, they've actually gone forward with it from the uh, state, uh, from the governor downward, that if you have a license in another state and you move there and your license is in good standing, you can continue to practice. They understand we need all hands on deck. It doesn't matter whether you learn that in one state or another. And frankly, this is something that we should make absolutely permanent, that if you have certification uh, and we, we trust someone to, uh, to, to care for us, then it shouldn't matter whether that person's in Utah or in Texas or in Colorado or Minnesota. It's the same skill set. It's the same delivery. And we should, we should wipe that out. So thankfully, that's one of the areas that uh, is, has been looked at. Uh, the state of Texas has been exemplary in a lot of ways. Uh, Governor Greg Abbott has also said that if you're a doctor, there had been a regulation that uh, if you see a, a patient in person, you get, a, you get paid a certain amount. If you see them through, tele, through a teleconference over Skype, for example, or Zoom, uh, which is capable, it's something that doctors are capable of doing in many instances without actually seeing you in person, they can diagnose you. Uh, and you know, prescription refill, regular checkups, things of that sort can be done without seeing you face to face. If a doctor does that, uh, not only does it protect both of you from coming into contact with one another, but it, it expedites his ability to see many, many more patients because he doesn't have to go around from room to room. Uh, we, we minimize just how important that is, but from one facility to another, he can see everyone at the same place. But if he does that in Texas, there had been a regulation that you actually get paid less. And so uh, the governor waived that. He said, of course, you should get paid for uh, the exact same amount, regardless of where you are for seeing uh, one another. There are certain regulations, uh, particularly in the state of Georgia, where uh, there have been regulations on charities' ability to donate. We just talked about all the good work that charities do for people in the community. Uh, and yet, uh, you know, for example, the, the, the example that always comes to mind is New York City under uh, Mayor Michael Bloomberg refused to allow a synagogue to donate food to uh, hurricane victims uh, back during 2012 because they weren't sure of the sodium content of the food that they were delivering. They're afraid mm. that uh, homeless people who, who, whose homes had been destroyed and uh, you know, their, their lives had been turned upside down might get uh, hypertension uh, while they were waiting from one meal. So uh, you know, these sorts of regulations have been waived in many states uh, to make it easier for, for churches and charities and social organizations to donate to those who are lacking. So these are just a couple of examples of very common sense regulations, uh, uh, you know, common sense waiving of regulations. And if it doesn't work in a crisis, we have to ask, does it serve us in other times? How many, how many good works are we missing out? How many life-saving uh, medical facilities and medical uh, professionals are we missing out on because these are in place the rest of the year, 365, 24 seven. So Ben, um, next week, maybe we could talk about um, the catastrophic loss of, of employment um, because I do think that, um, you know, we've, we have not seen these surging numbers of people applying for unemployment. Um, obviously there are, there is a safety net, for this, but it's still there's still a psychological thing that goes on when you lose your job, no matter even if it's you know for no cause of your own. Um, and I know you reviewed 
um, a, a film, America Lost, about this topic. So I'm just going to send people to your blog at Acton, A-C-T-O-N dot O-R-G. Check out the uh, review of America Lost and the Crisis of Faith and Work by Ben Johnson. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, my friend. God bless. God bless. We'll talk to you next week. We'll be right back. All right. I just want to invite um, listeners to just be praying right now. Um, just got a note from an author who um, who we featured here, and she's asking for prayers for her husband, Rick. Uh, they took him to the ER. He has COVID-19, and he is um, really struggling. So let us be, be praying for Rick. Let us be praying for his wife, Catherine. Um, yesterday uh, was uh, shared with me in a in a in a staff call that we have each day. That I've got a I've got a coworker and a colleague who has a dear friend whose daughter is hospitalized in uh, in the Minneapolis area with COVID nineteen. Um, I have a, a friend in Colorado who has been diagnosed. Um, an entire family here uh, in Middle Tennessee, uh, dad, a mom, and three little boys um, who all have the virus. Um, and so let us be people who are praying ardently as, as people are not only struggling with this themselves, but they are struggling with it in their families and they're struggling with it in their communities, in their churches. Um, let us be lifting one another up in prayer. God is able And God is far more able than we ordinarily dare to ask or even imagine. And so we're not testing God when we when we come before him. We're actually entering into um, the opportunity that he has already offered and invited, um, invited us to participate in. That is not only his presence, but his power brought to bear on the consequences of sin. What we're dealing with, um, you know, is the is not only um, the reality of death, right? And Christ has certainly met the challenge um, of the of the penalty of sin and death. But Jesus is also sufficient to uh, come up against the power of sin, the consequences of sin that we deal with in this life. He is able to break that power as well. And so let's come before him as the great physician. Let's ask him to do what he alone can do, which is to miraculously heal. Um, we're certainly going to be praying for the strengthening of those who are tending to the sick, but we are also going to be praying to the health giver, and that's God, our Father in heaven. So, Catherine, we're praying for you right now. We're praying for Rick. We're praying for those who are tending to him, and we are praying to God um, for, for healing, not only for Rick, but for others. Uh, next up, I'm going to be talking with Michael Austin from the Christian History um, Institute. And Christian Christian History Magazine. We're going to talk about how the history um, of our faith informs the present. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. When it comes to taking drugs, most parents never envision their kid will drink booze, smoke pot, or take pills. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. I've seen too many unsuspecting parents convinced that their teen's not the type to try drugs, discover just the opposite. Experimentation is no longer just something the bad kids do. It's everywhere, so you need to know how to spot whether your child is using drugs. Watch for sudden or drastic changes in your teenager's honesty, grades, behavior, or friends. Substance abuse may start with things you have in your kitchen, medicine cabinet, or garage. 
Even if you have the best kids in the world, stay alert. Don't be naive. Be the protective parent your child desperately needs. When all else fails, moms and dads turn to Mark Gregston for help. Equip yourself with the wisdom you need to succeed at ParentingTodaysTeens.org. talk about um, friendship today and we're going to talk about um, what we can learn about friendship from the history of it particularly spiritual friendship and how spiritual friendship really helped the spread of Christianity so there's a new um, there's a new issue of Christian history magazine and the entire issue is called I have called you friends how spiritual friendship helped Christianity spread. And so joining me now is Michael Austin uh, from the Christian History Magazine and the Christian History Institute. Michael, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you, Carmen. So good to be with you. Well, it's a delight to have you with us today. Um, So one of the conversations I am having with many of my guests to assure our listeners that we are all practicing healthy social distancing, tell us where you are geographically today. Right now, I am in northern Indiana. All right, so that is a healthy South Bend. This is a very healthy social distance from me. I live in Middle Tennessee, and a very healthy distance from Ted, who is running the board this morning and who is in uh, the Twin Cities area. So, um, just to yeah, because sometimes we get um, we we have listeners who are concerned that we are all physically in a studio together, and so we just want to assure people we're we're all doing what we're supposed to be doing practicing social distancing today. So, um, Michael Austin, first of all, let's start with um, tell us a little bit about the Christian History Institute and specifically the magazine. Well, it was started in uh, the magazine was started in 1982 by Ken Curtis. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm losing my voice this morning. Ken Curtis was a uh, film documentarian. He was one of the producers of The Cross and the Switchblade, a very famous movie starring Pat Boone, the story of David Wilkerson ministering to the gangbangers in New York City. And uh, Ken went on to be a prominent uh, developer, producer of Christian films and Christian material. And um, as a documentarian, <clears throat> realized that the Christians don't know much about their history. Mm. And, of course, that was a grieving um, revelation to him. And so he started this wonderful magazine in 1982. And um, it has uh, it used to be distributed by Christianity Today. Uh, but about eight, nine years ago, came back to the... Uh, ministry, Christian History Institute, and um, has flourished since then, has a very large audience uh, that know about it. But you know what? It's I think it's one of the best kept secrets um, in the body these days. But um, a wonderful uh, four-color glossy magazine that belongs on our coffee table. As a matter of fact, I just <clears throat> I just poured myself a cup of tea, and I want to tell you it's a delight to be with you this morning. 
uh, to talk about this wonderful magazine and our need to know more about the Christian uh, faith and the history of our faith. Absolutely. So I'm talking with Michael Austin. We're going to let him take a sip of his tea. Um, you can find what we're talking about today at ChristianHistoryInstitute.org, ChristianHistoryInstitute.org. Um, issue 132, which is the current issue, is I have called you friends. Um, and one of the things that I appreciate about the way you guys have put this website together, I can actually um, turn the pages of the magazine and see what it looks like. I love that feature of the website, by the way. Um, that is really Isn't cool. that great? I know, it's just yeah. really great. Um, and then as I scroll down, I see, you know, the the titles of um, of some of the articles that are in this issue. And what, I would, what I'd like to do, Michael, instead of going through them one by one, um, when you put this together, when you start, you know, asking the question, like a big question, you know, how does spiritual friendship, <clears throat> how does... How does how do we hear about that in Christian history? What are some examples of that? Obviously, you guys are uh, looking far and wide because the number of people who have written for this issue um, is very diverse, and the the subject matter is very diverse. Like it's it's really a wide ranging um, approach to the same conversation or to the same question. I really like that. I really appreciate that. So I'm. I'm curious to know, as you were doing this, what did you learn about spiritual friendship in terms of the history of Christianity? Well, personally, I, I learned a great deal, um, not the least of which was an enrichment of my understanding of what we Christians call Christian fellowship, um, because that's something very unique to the Christian. In fact, <clears throat> I think that friendship— was uh, our our uh, savior's invention. Um, reading history in general, uh, we do come across friendship, but not of the nature that Christians have with one another. We have a spiritual bond that goes beyond enjoying one another's company in that we can share our walk with the Lord we can share our revelation, uh, which, by the way, should be daily, according to Scripture. We need to be looking for a word from our our Father. And He gives us that word, you know, in the uh, Lord's Prayer, give us this day uh, our daily bread. Well, He, uh, our Savior, is uh, the bread of life, and He is also the Word. And so he gives us a word on a daily basis, and we have the privilege and the great, wonderful experience of sharing that with our brothers and sisters. Uh, it may be in a Bible study. It may be just in daily conversation. Um, and uh, that is so enriching. It's, I, I have come to think about it as the glue that keeps the uh, the body together. I'm not, I'm talking about the body of Christians throughout the world. We are seeing that now in times of crisis, that the Christians, because of their abiding friendship, their deep, deep, wonderful friendship, um, are responding to uh, this current crisis, as as they have to other crises throughout history, to um, bond together and. What is our first uh, inclination? And that is to serve 
our neighbors, love our neighbors, and to share the gospel and to go forth and disciple the nations. Wow, what what a mandate from um, from our heavenly Father, and is it's just a, a a miracle. So I'm talking with Michael Austin from Christian Christian History Magazine. Uh, Christian History Institute. You can um, you can find what we're talking about today at ChristianHistoryInstitute.org. When we come back, we're going to look at a couple specific articles from this latest issue. I have called you friends. How spiritual friendship helped Christianity spread. Um, there, there's everything in here from um, the Apostle Paul and his coworkers uh, for the gospel, um, the people who Paul calls friends in his letters um, to to something by Karen Swallow Pryor about um, about sa- uh, saints against slavery, a world-changing set of friendships. And then there's, uh, there's this great friendship crowd that um, we know as the Inklings, on and on and on, how friendship changes mission, changes the way that the gospel um, enters into communities um, through friends. So we're going to continue this conversation in just a moment. We'll be right back. Continuing my conversation with Michael Austin from the Christian History Magazine, also the Christian History Institute. You can find what we're talking about today and the magazine at ChristianHistoryInstitute.org. The issue that we're talking about today is I have called you friends. Um, Let's let's jump into a couple of these of these pieces um, that are in here. First of all, do you have one that sort of stands out to you as, hey, this is kind of the this is kind of the article in this issue that um, I I don't know, maybe is is illustrative of kind of the entire theme? Well, there's so many, of course, because all the the entire issue is about this one topic. That's characteristic of Christian History magazine. Each one of them takes up one subject at a time. So you've got um, 12, 13 uh, articles here, sidebars, all kinds of information on this one topic. And therefore, you know, it digs deep into the subject. Um, I love so many of these articles, and uh, especially the ones that have to do with uh, ministry, because the ministry that we have, the outreach, and what I mean by ministry is um, uh, taking the gospel to the rest of the world, taking the gospel to those who have not heard the gospel over the centuries. But, you know, we can get to that in a moment. But uh, really, one of my favorites is the lead article, St. Paul Among Friends. I learned a lot about Paul. I love uh, to uh, read the biographies and and histories of the apostles. And this man, um, according to the uh, the author of, of this particular article, Michael Bird, who is uh, uh, at Ridley College in Melbourne, Australia, and you're right, uh, authors from all over the world, from all different kinds of perspectives have written for this issue. But uh, Michael brings out some very interesting points. One of the things that's uh, unique to this magazine, by the way, is that it's so richly illustrated uh, with uh, reproductions of great art. And he makes the point that art in the past has depicted Paul as this individual character doing these amazing things um, to spread the gospel. And uh, in actual fact, as he uh, began to really dig 
into Paul's intimate life with with other people, discovered these amazing friendships that Paul had with others, and also that all but, I think, three books in the New Testament, and he wrote most of them, uh, were written and participated in by co-authors who were his great friends, people like Timothy, uh, Sosthenes, Silas. And so, um, and, and we see this, of course, everybody... Uh, is familiar with, all Bible readers are familiar with this because there's so many wonderful passages uh, that Paul has written uh, referring to these wonderful people, usually skipped over in Bible study. But uh, in my Bible study these days, you know, we dig into those kinds of comments because here he is, this amazing uh, champion um, and uh, warrior dressed in the armor of God, going about the known world of his day, persecuted, stoned, uh, left for dead, in shipwreck, and so forth. And no, he wasn't this uh, individual evangelist, although there's a great deal of that in him. He was a man surrounded by people that he loved and had great, deep, abiding friendships. So uh, this is a fascinating uh, analysis or uh, uh, picture uh, journey into Paul's uh, personal life. And, of course, he referred to um, great friendships from the Old Testament, such as the friendship between David and Jonathan, um, an incredibly profound portion of Scripture that can be studied just from the aspect of friendship and so much of the gospel so much of the truth of the scriptures comes out in these uh, explorations into uh, friends, friends, people who were deep and abiding friends with one another. When we talk about um, friendship and we talk about spiritual friendship, this notion that we are all part of one body and we really all ultimately share um, share an identity, that's a part of this conversation as well. There's a lot of... Um, there's a lot in this issue of the magazine that really sort of helps our heart to beat as one. Yes. Um, you know, one of these um, uh, articles that I think speaks to what you've just eloquently uh, said is that the Christian's uh, mission to share the gospel with others uh, one of the great missionaries uh, who's universally known, William Carey, who was a Baptist um, and who, by the way, was uh, coming out of a, uh, a very uh, sort of isolated Calvinistic uh, Anglican church tradition in England, um, represented an opposing view of that, of that society and um, was inspired to take the, the scripture, take the gospel to India. And, um, you know, when we think about this, and I've spent some time in India in my, in my youth, um, know that uh, nation and, that, and some of that history and the religions very well, what a daunting uh, undertaking uh, in the um, late 1700s, uh, early 1800s to travel to a place like India with the gospel and succeed the way this man did. And of course, he had great help 
And there's a wonderful article as the heart, as the heart of one man. Good description mm-hmm. of uh, three people that came together. Yeah, wonderful story. Just, just, just it's, the whole magazine is just full of wonderful content like that. We want to commend it to our listeners today. You're looking for things that are. Um, worthy of your time and attention in these days. You've got some time to read that maybe you didn't have before. This is a good opportunity um, for you to log on to ChristianHistoryInstitute.org, read the latest issue, um, and, you know, there's an opportunity there to subscribe as well. Michael, thank you so much for joining us today on Mornings with Carmen. Great pleasure, Carmen. Good to be with you. God bless you and your wonderful audience. Thank you. Likewise. We'll be right back. All right, so when um, when we invite you to tune in, we appreciate that you not only tune in with your radio um, or tune in with your Faith Radio app, but that you tune in with your heart and mind. And so as you are tuning in today to things that are being offered up across the web via all kinds of streaming platforms, or while you are tuning in today to the things that are being discussed over the phone, um, over the internet, all kinds of ways, right? I want you to tune your heart first to the Lord our God. Let us be resonating first and foremost with Christ. Let us let us have um, our hearts beat as one with His. Let us be uh, developing the mind of Christ on the matters of the day by soaking and saturating uh, ourselves in the scriptures of the Old and New Testament. All right, so Bible first, Bible before phone, Bible before breakfast, Bible first and foremost, in order that as the world squeezes us today, because it's going to, um, what will what we will be found to be full of will be the Word of God. We will be found to be full of grace and full of truth. All right, so tune yourself to God first, even as we tune into the news of the day. we got another hour up next. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.